Morning, church family. What a unique time it is in our city of Birmingham with the hosting of the World Games. You know that there are thousands of athletes and coaches and officials that have made their way, representing over a hundred different countries, they made their way to the city of Birmingham. Now, what you might not know is that during this same time, we have an international gathering right here in our city of hundreds of Baptist leaders across our globe that are represented. This week, the Baptist World Alliance is partnering with Sanford University to host their annual gathering. For those of you that do not know, the Baptist World Alliance is a collective of 239 different Baptist denominations that span 128 different countries and represents 51 million people. Baptist World Alliance annual meeting is a strategic time for Baptist leaders worldwide to gather together for prayer and fellowship and uh, strategic planning together. This morning here at Dawson, we have the unique privilege to welcome to our church Dr. Elijah Brown, the General Secretary of the Baptist World Alliance. Dr. Brown is a graduate of Mary Hardin Baylor and he holds a PhD from the University of Edinburgh. Dr. Brown, previous to his time with the Baptist World Alliance, was the executive vice president of 21 Wilberforce, a Christian human rights organization based in Virginia, and was also an associate professor of religion at East Texas Baptist University, where he was the founding director of the Freedom Center. Dr. Brown is joined by his wife, Amy, and they are the proud parents of three children. Dawson, will you join me in welcoming Dr. Elijah Brown to our church today? Thank you, sir. Well, Dawson, it is a joy and an honor to be with you here on behalf of the Baptist World Alliance, your worldwide Baptist family. And as Pastor David was just saying, every year the Baptist World Alliance gathers together the national and international leaders of the Baptist movement and brings us, brings, we, we collect ourselves together for a time of worship and planning and preparing and thinking together about God's mission around the world. Now, every year we go to a different country. So next year we'll be in Norway, the year after that in Nigeria, the year after that in Australia. And actually, this is the first time in 40 years we've been in the United States for this kind of meeting. And I'm just so grateful that after 40 years we could be right here in Birmingham, Alabama and on the beautiful campus of Samford University. Dawson, you belong to a wonderful worldwide Baptist family. 51 million Baptists. Baptists from Argentina to Australia, from Botswana to Birmingham. And we belong together because we belong to Jesus Christ. And because we belong to Jesus Christ, we are called in the Holy Spirit to God's global mission. At the Baptist World Alliance, we say we are passionate about sharing the gospel passionate about standing with the persecuted and passionate about supporting Baptists all around the world as they minister to needs in their community. Some years ago, I was in Colombia and I traveled up to the border of Venezuela on one of the routes of the refugees. Time and again, we heard there is no food, there's no running electricity, no medicine, there are no jobs, even Bibles. In a context where there's a lack of printing, paper, even Bibles were being confiscated and sold on the black market. And we were told 
that to buy a Bible in Venezuela would cost you the equivalency of one month of your salary. It's a challenging location. But you know, the Lord often use, uses crisis. And in Venezuela, in the midst of economic challenges, political collapse, and even jailed Baptist leadership, they started an effort to train new missionaries, Venezuelan missionaries who would be reaching out across the country. And over the last few years, they've now trained over 100 new missionaries who've planted over 30 new Baptist churches. And I, when I was there, I said, I know, I know I'm not supposed to ask things like, you know, numbers, but you have to forgive me. I'm from the United States, and, and even worse, I'm from Texas. And so, you know, I'm just going to say it straight. But, you know, would you mind sharing with me, uh, do you pay these missionaries? And if so, how much do you pay them? And they said, no, no, we don't mind sharing with you at all. And they gave me a number. And I'm, I'm going to confess to you, Dawson, um, I, I shared this story one time, and my wife, Amy, who's here with me, she heard me share this story, and she said, you've got to stop giving that number out. She said, because listen, if, you're, if we're going to support them, we need to give them a pay raise. So Dawson, I, I'm confessing to you, I'm giving to you an inflated number. Do you know what they make? 250 U.S. dollars for the year. So Dawson, I, I wrote back, I said, well, let's support every one of them. All 100 missionaries, let's support them because in times of crisis, the Lord is often at work and we want to share the gospel in the midst of need. In the last few months, I've had the great privilege to travel twice to Ukraine. My first trip was in February. I was in Kiev. I was there just 100 hours before all civil aviation stopped to the country. Already there were 130,000 troops amassed on the border. It was such a privilege to be there with the National Baptist leadership as they were planning for the, the possibility of this horrific invasion. The second time I was in Ukraine was a month later to recognize the one-month anniversary of the start of this terrible and tragic war. Do you know that there are 2,000 Baptist churches in Ukraine? The largest Protestant community in all of that country are Baptists. In fact, the Baptist community in Ukraine is the second largest Baptist community in all of Europe. And just last month, I was also in Russia. This horrific time period. We were visiting with one of the Baptist women's leader just a few weeks ago, and she shared with us that they had gathered for worship in a church that was on the front line of this invasion. And while they were singing their songs, they began to hear bombs falling across their city. The song they were singing as the bombs were falling was the old Baptist hymn, Count your many blessings. Count your many blessings, even as they gathered to worship as bombs fell across their city. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Acts chapter 13? Acts chapter 13, and we'll begin in verse number one. You know, it often makes us feel uncomfortable, but the Lord often uses crisis and challenge, injustice and difficulty as the crucibles for faith and renewal. If you don't have your Bible, we'll have the words up on the screen. And if you're new to Dawson, I encourage you, come back next week where you'll hear an even better sermon from your pastor. <laughs> Acts chapter 13. 
Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. A challenging location. This was the church in Antioch. It was a church begun by people who experienced persecution after the killing of Stephen. Stephen could not have imagined that his death, the first known Christian martyrdom, what must have surely seemed to the early church as a defeat and a setback, would actually become a catalyst to propel the gospel. God's kingdom can use defeat and setback, change and challenge, including in your life. Those who brought the gospel to Antioch were refugees. They'd been chased out of Jerusalem, lost their worldly possessions, experienced pain and persecution. They could have turned inward and focused on their own security. They, they could have dwelt in bitterness and hurt and pain. But the scriptures are clear. These were transformed individuals living out a transforming gospel. When they were persecuted, they welcomed. When they were pressured, they embraced. When they faced pain, they gave forgiveness. When they lost their safety and their security, they pursued missional witness. Stateless, landless, persecuted, refugees, they turned outward instead of inward. Transformed individuals living out a transforming gospel. And it was a gospel that welcomed the community into the church. It was persecuted refugees who first welcomed Gentile believers into a sustained church community. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for using immigrants and migrants, persecuted believers, those who knew defeat and setback to build the church, to welcome Gentiles and to launch a missions movement that would change the world. Believers whose faith was of such a, a caliber, such a quality, that the world stopped and said, we need a new term to describe the way they're living out their faith. It was here where they were first called Christian, challenging ministry locations, challenging injustices, challenging circumstances, changing dynamics, transitioning communities. These are opportunities for a sacrificial, transforming gospel. You know, locations matter. The location of your church matters. The location of your home and your neighborhood matters. You are called to live as a missionary in your neighborhood, in your community, and around the world. And the location of Antioch matters. Antioch was a major urban center with trade routes that stretched eastward and westward. And if you were to locate Antioch on a map today, it would be in the modern-day country of Syria. When you hear the words Syria, or even more broadly, the Middle East, what are the first thoughts that come to your mind? Our Christian faith, 
is woven into the fabric of these great lands. For it was from Ur in southern Iraq that God called forward the great patriarch Abraham. Isaac's bride, Rebekah, came from northwest Iraq. Abraham's grandson, Jacob, spent 20 years in Iraq, and his sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, were all born in northwest Iraq. Jonah was a prophet of revival to the city of Mosul, Iraq. Nahum is buried in the Kurdish region of northern Iraq. Ezekiel helped reconstitute faith while living as a refugee in Iraq. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all lived with courage at the intersection of Iraq and Iran. Esther prevented a genocide in Iran. Jesus lived and spoke the language of these lands. Jesus believed in the people of these lands, which brings us back to Syria. Now, my own reflection around Syria changed a couple of years ago. I was part of a conference to help train Christian leaders from Syria. And I was on the plane ride over. I was asking the Lord, what am I supposed to say to a group of church leaders in Syria? I mean, I'm, I'm from a a thriving town of 900 people in the middle of rural Texas. You know, what am I supposed to say to church leaders in Syria with all that they've lived through and everything you've seen on the news? And I, I felt like the Lord laid on my heart to begin with these two words. Thank you. Thank you. Because it was your ancestors whose commitment to the gospel witness welcomed Gentile believers. Thank you, because it was your ancestors who became the first mission-sending church. Thank you, because it was your ancestors whose faith had such a quality, such a resonance around it, that the world needed a new term and gave us this term, Christian. Did you know that in Syria today there are nine Baptist churches in the last 10 years, one of those Baptist churches has grown from four people to over a thousand people. They've done so without safety, without large budgets or cultural acceptance. They've done so with a sacrificial vision of service, willing to suffer for the glory of Jesus and the furtherance of His kingdom. One of those Baptist leaders is a woman named Haya, a mother of four. A radicalized group entered her community one winter. Snow blanketed the ground as the insurgents took Haya and her family along with others to the basement of a building. Some of the men were immediately killed, and after three days, those who were still alive were expelled out into the winds of winter. Haya and her family found refuge in an apartment building that had been abandoned, and she shared that after two weeks, they were surviving by rationing for food, one olive per person per day. Finally, they fled through the wintry cold, she said, so cold that our feet stuck to the ground and found their way to the city of Damascus, scarred and in shock. Fortunately, they found a Baptist church. And Haya said, even though I lost everything, I gained Jesus Christ. In our challenging time and our challenging locations, how will we sacrificially serve? 
When we use the term Christian, I, I am a Christian, will we remember the church in Syria that gave us this term? When we use the term Christian, we owe a debt to the church in Syria. It's a challenging location And unfortunately, it's far from the only one in our world today. With now more than 100 million people displaced around the world, there are more refugees today than at any other point in the previous 75 years. Hunger is on the rise at unprecedented levels around the world. 44% of all Baptists around the world live in a context of significant hunger challenges. Dawson, what does it mean to say we're part of a Baptist movement when almost one out of every two Baptists in the world lives in a context where they face the reality of the pang of hunger? Hunger. I could share stories about how the Baptist Royal Alliance is helping provide food to Baptist churches in northern Ethiopia where they're sheltering refugees who've had to flee from an ongoing civil war, or in India where We're helping provide food for the widows of pastors who died due to COVID-19, or where we're supplying oxygen concentrators to Baptist hospitals to help keep keep people alive, or in Myanmar, where we're helping take care of thousands of people who had to flee into the jungles after the military began bombing their own civilians. And we can make a difference including in the reality of persecution. Baptists and others around the world continue to face persecution. Would you pray for the Baptists in Nigeria? Just four Sundays ago, armed militants attacked the Beje Baptist Church and abducted 36 people right out from that worship service. In the already occupied territories of eastern Ukraine, They've already been facing the reality of persecution. In some of those occupied territories, they banned the Baptist hymnal and the Gospel of John because they were, quote, extremist material. When did songs like Amazing Grace and Holy, Holy, Holy become radical material? When did the Gospel of John become extremist material Or Dawson, perhaps we should ask, for those of us who are believers, when did it stop? The Scriptures remind us that we are called to live out sacrificial, transforming gospel in the midst of challenge and difficulty. And in these difficult locations, our call is to love the whole of the community. So to this, we add our concern and our care for Uyghur Muslims and Rohingya Muslims and Tibetan Buddhists and all who face trauma and persecution. Now, I sometimes hesitate to share these kinds of stories because I know it's easy to sit there and think, wow, I can't do anything about this and to feel overwhelmed. But would you join with us at the Baptist World Alliance as we respond? Because in every one of these instances, I can point to individuals just like you who are making a real difference. You can make a difference right here and around the world. Will we live out gospel love 
in our community? Will we respond to racism and violence, hunger and homelessness? Will we respond to environmental damage, the intersection of human rights and technology and the evil of sexual abuse? Will we live out gospel love in our community? In verse number two we read, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. Renewal comes in worship. Renewal comes when we turn to Jesus. Renewal emerges in prayer and in Holy Spirit direction. Our witness derives joy and direction when we are in worship and in intimacy with the Holy Spirit while they were worshiping. Now, the word used in the Greek here for worshiping is actually only found three times in the New Testament. And it's the idea of public actions of faith. While they were living out their gospel love in the community, while they worshiped by serving their neighbors, while they worshiped by sharing their faith, while they worshiped by choosing Christ-centered business ethics, while they worshiped as they led their family to Jesus, while they worshiped as they met the needs in their community. Friends, we need a kingdom vision of this kind of commitment to mission witness today. These leaders in Acts 13 are on the verge of initiating a multinational mission movement based in discipleship. Now, of course, they, they don't know that. But the actions they're about to take is going to lead to a major church planting movement. While they were worshiping and praying, they embraced new models, new ways of engaging, new leadership. Challenging times and locations require adjustment to a kingdom vision. Dawson stepped forward, not backward. Step outward, not inward. For this is an age of challenging locations, changing ministry patterns, increasingly urban, multi-ethnic environments defined by trade and technology. And what we need are leaders compelled by the Holy Spirit with a kingdom vision of missional witness. Leaders in prayer welcoming new models and defined by ethnic diversity. Do you notice that in this passage, five leaders are listed? Uh, Barnabas, who's known as being an encourager. Uh, Paul, a murderer who had been transformed in Jesus. Mannion, whose leadership was developed not in the church, but in public service. And then there are two others that are listed. Simeon, called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. Now, Niger in the Greek refers to a person with black skin. Cyrene is from the modern-day country of Libya. Five leaders are listed, religious leaders, community leaders, Jewish leaders, and two leaders from Africa. Multicultural diversity is healthy. It is biblical. Two of the five leaders of this incredible church were from Africa. What does it mean to affirm that in the very first church anywhere in the world where they were called for the very first time Christian were led 
by African believers. Would you picture that, that moment? That they were gathered in a room, they were worshiping and praying, and Paul and Barnabas knelt on the ground, and the other three leaders gathered around them, and they laid their hands, and they prayed for them. And two of those three who commissioned these first missionaries were African. Two of the three who remained as the leaders and the teachers of this great church where the term Christian emerged and who supported and prayed for and financed the efforts that sent the gospel into Europe were African believers. To the African church, thank you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for commissioning these first missionaries. I am grateful for African leaders who commissioned missionaries to carry the gospel to Europe. Thank you to the church in Syria and to the church in Africa to whom the rest of us owe a debt. God's global mission calls for God's global church. We need the perspective, the passions, the histories, the giftedness that every one of us brings. We belong together because we belong to Jesus Christ. And so after they fasted and prayed, they, they placed their hands on them and they sent them. This is the birth of the missions movement. This church in Syria led by African immigrants persecuted for their faith, sent them to carry the gospel to new cities, new countries, new languages. From Genesis to Revelation, we are called to live with a gospel witness. And at the Baptist World Alliance, we still believe. We still believe in an invitation to bring glory to Jesus among all peoples in all places. We still believe as the great German Baptist theologian from two centuries ago used to challenge us, every Baptist is a missionary. Every Baptist is a missionary to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace, to your community, and around the world. Every Baptist is a missionary. Pastor, I don't know what your experience was here, but I think one thing that stood out to us from COVID was that the church is not centered in the building. The church is centered in your home as you live a missional witness to your neighborhood as well as to the nations. Every Baptist, a missionary. And in the last 10 years, did you know your worldwide Baptist family has grown 29%? Praise God for those who remain passionate about living that missional witness. But friends, i got to tell you, it's different region by region. In the last 10 years, the Baptist movement in Europe has declined 3%. And the, move, the Baptist movement in North America has declined 6%. But the Baptist movement and the Baptist family in Asia in the last 10 years has grown 20%. In the Caribbean, it's grown 48%. In Latin America, it's grown 41%. And in the last 10 years, the Baptist family in Africa has grown 134%. The Spirit of the Lord is moving in powerful ways around the world. And it's not about numbers. It's about obedience. For mission is not about what you and I can achieve, but about the honor of Jesus' name. For Jesus is 
worthy. Worthy of every tongue to confess. Worthy of every life to embrace. And we still hear the Lord's call today to surrender that we may embrace. Surrender the security of home. Surrender the certainty of family relationships. Surrender economic assurance. Surrender title, position, and institution. Surrender feeling uncomfortable that we may embrace an invitation to join Jesus in your neighborhood and among the nations. For Jesus died that none may perish, but all have eternal life. Let us embrace a renewed passion to live for the kingdom of God. We belong together because we belong to Jesus. And because we belong to Jesus, we are called in the Holy Spirit, to God's global mission. And your Baptist Royal Alliance family is at work around the world, passionate about sharing the gospel, passionate about standing with the persecuted, passionate about supporting the work of Baptists as they meet the needs in their community. And Dawson, your church has an important role to play right here and around the world from those near and those far, across your street, in your community, and around the world, we are invited to live a gospel-oriented, missional lives. They placed their hands on Paul and Barnabas, and they were sent. And today, we too are being sent to the neighborhoods and the nations. So I want to invite you as a church to become part of this Baptist World Alliance as a global impact church, a church that partners directly to engage in continuing to share the gospel, stand with the persecuted and support Baptists around the world. I want to invite you to pray. I'd encourage you to go to the website, baptistworld.org slash pray. And there you can sign up for our once a week email. And if you'll pray through it, every week we highlight different countries. If you'll pray for it over the course of 12 months, you'll pray for every country in the world. And you'll do that with specific requests from Baptists in those countries who are working to meet the needs in those countries. And I want to invite you to experience this for yourself. It's only been 40 years since we've been in the United States. Might be another 40. And we just happen to be right here in Birmingham, Alabama. And tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, there'll be an open worship service. I want you to come and see it for yourself. See these hundreds of Baptist leaders from around the world who've gathered. The Nigerian Baptist leader, he'll be there. You can ask him what happened in that church. The Ukrainian Baptist leader, he'll be there. And you can ask him about what's going on. And Baptist leaders from many, many more countries that are already here. And tomorrow night, they want to invite you. Would you come and worship with us at 7 o'clock? And I want to invite you to embrace a missionary calling each one of us living out gospel love, especially in the areas of greatest pain and suffering. Every Baptist, a missionary. So will you see with me from rural villages to hurting suburbs to unreached megacities, will you see with me men and women, boys and girls, rich and poor, young and old, those near and those far across your street, in your community and around the world, will you see with me through the eyes of a loving God, a crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ and a Holy Spirit calling us forward. These scripture leaders were African and Middle Eastern refugees. They were persecuted for their faith in Jesus. They were diverse in their leadership. They were renewed in worship and they launched 
a major missions movement that changed their community and changed the world. They placed their hands on them and they were sent. And today, so are you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we don't always want to be sent. I don't always want to be sent. And so often, Lord, we feel like what difference can we make? Lord, I pray that you would spark within us a vision of your glory that won't let go of us until we have lived your gospel love in our neighborhood and among the nations. That even now, Lord, Baptists who are all over the world suffering, struggling, and yet serving, Lord, unite us together as one family, all of us doing what we can to live for your glory from our own neighborhoods to the nations. I thank you for Dawson. Would you continue to surround this church, fill this church, use this church, provide for this church, convict this church, challenge this church, model through this church, and use Dawson for your ongoing glory in this neighborhood and among the nations. Lord, we have nothing to give except ourselves and the hope that you do pull us up out of the grave and transform us. We are your people. In Jesus' name, amen.